Welcome to Demand and Disrupt the Disability Podcast. Here, we will learn to advocate for ourselves and each other. This podcast is supported with funds from the Advocado Press, based in Louisville, Kentucky. Cass Irvin was disabled by polio when she was nine years old and is a wheelchair user. In her 30s, she began serving on local and state boards of disability organizations. She was a co-founder of the Disability Rag magazine, which covered the disability rights movement from a civil rights perspective. She was an instructor of disability history and culture for the Jefferson County Public Schools. She directed Access to the Arts, Inc., an arts and disability advocacy organization in Louisville, Kentucky. She was the first disability activist inducted into the Kentucky Civil Rights Hall of Fame. Her memoir, Homebound, was published by Temple University Press in 2004. Cass Irvin is a legend in the disability community. Hello and welcome, Cass Irvin. It is wonderful to have you with us. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, thank you for joining us. I I am in awe of your writing and your work. You're a real legend in the disability community in Kentucky and further afield. So can you tell me a little bit about how you got involved in disability advocacy? Um, Probably I got involved with disability advocacy because I had a problem with an agency that told me that I was not college material and thus they weren't going to pay for my college education. Wow. And at the time I thought, well, I guess that it was the rehab department, Kentucky Department for Rehab in Kentucky. It sounded okay to me because, you know, disabled people can't do what everybody else does. But I ran into a woman who was disabled who told me, that because of certain laws, it was not really, I mean, and because of my disability, they really couldn't reject me and say that I wasn't qualified to go to college, especially since because my family went to college, my parents put me through college my first year anyway. So when I went back to the rehab department, I said, well, I've been going to college and it seems like I'm handling it okay and you guys need to pay for me. Now, believe me, I was scared to death, um, but I just knew that sometimes when things don't seem right, you should try to complain about them. And Mm -hmm. they sent somebody from Frankfurt to Louisville to interview me to make sure that the person who said I could not qualify for rehab education, I mean, college education paid through the rehab department that, that I should take special tests just to prove that I could, and I did, and I passed. It was a lot of rigmarole just because somebody made a bad decision. But oh, it's interesting how little things have changed. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's not. I mean, I wish it wasn't, but, you know, things, it's just always hard for people to be able to stand up for themselves, you know, whatever group of people that they are. When I was little, Things weren't accessible, and I was pretty much of a shut-in, and a lady that we knew who worked for my mom had a friend who had a daughter, and they decided that I needed to get out, and this young lady could go places with me, and, you know, that would be good for me and good for her, and she could earn a little money, and we'd get in a yellow cab, and strangely enough, a little kid in a wheelchair could get in the back of a yellow cab, wheelchair and all. And we went downtown to a theater 
to watch a movie. It was like a big deal. She handled me in the chair by herself. I mean, it was just a manual chair. And so we decided we'd go to see a movie and we went, gee, I don't know how to explain this because people who don't know what movie theaters were like in the old days downtown, <laughs> but you go up to the window and, you know, ask about the times of the movie and how much. And we did that. Um, she could reach the window because she wasn't in a wheelchair. So she went to the window and she said, you know, when are the movies playing? How long? Because we only had so much time to be downtown. And the guy told her how long the movie was when it started. And then she said, how much? And he told her how much. And then she said, I'd like two tickets, please. And he said, I can't let you in. And I was really embarrassed because I thought, gosh, I should have remembered that. Uh, when I went to theater with mommy and daddy, you know, I had to sit in the back of the theater. And, you know, my chair was a fire hazard. So daddy put me in a seat, but this young woman couldn't do that. But I, so I was very embarrassed that I didn't think about this. And I said, I'm sorry, I, I should have known better. And he's, I said, you know, I'm, I realize I can't go in. And he said, no, it's not you, it's her. And he pointed to my friend and I realized, oh yeah, she's black. Mm. And it really hurt. I mean, I felt mm. real pain, like somebody had said something really bad to me. And I have been, I've had that kind of feeling before when someone would say something like that to me as a disabled person. And I just, you know, I was furious. I thought, I'm going to go home. I'm going to tell my daddy. My daddy knows people. He's going to fuss at them. We're going to write to the newspaper. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll create a stir. And, of course, I came home and found out that was going to do me no good because this was in the 50s. And, um, like, people couldn't go into movie theaters. She could walk. I couldn't walk. But I could go in and she could. That didn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when you feel that for somebody else, it's easier to fight. It made me realize it's easier to fight for other people than to fight for yourself. Well, um, I think it's maybe cliche for a blind person to quote Helen Keller, but uh, she famously said, until all of us are free, none of us are free. Oh, and that, yes. I think that is so, so true. And I think rights for many groups, disabled included, have really been threatened in the last bit. And I, I mean, there, there are probably several reasons for that and probably some we don't even understand. But what, what, is your, what do you think about that? What do you think about the state of civil rights and civil liberties in general, but in disability rights in particular? What do you think about the state of disability rights and disability justice right now? Probably that's a better question to ask David and people that are in the fray right now, because I'm really not, and I'm not optimistic, but mm -hmm. that maybe is because I don't know what everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of been my choice because in the last couple of years, thanks to COVID, um, I mean, I'd already kind of semi-retired and didn't run around as much. And then COVID came and it was like, oh, well, I'm not going out now. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't want to get sick because somebody else is not being careful. Right. And right. Um, so um, 
So I really can't comment on what I think it is, except for the fact that I think in many ways, because of the great the gay rights movement and just many more groups of people are realizing they have rights and they need to fight for them. And mm-hmm. I think because of that, you know, we're more conscious of it. I don't know if that means we're kind of bored with it by now or see too much of it, but I just want things to happen so people realize they can make change, even if it's not a huge change. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to fight the big fights, but sometimes it's not too hard just to get to a meeting to show up so somebody sees, oh, some of those people are here. This issue must be interest to those people too. So you said uh, before we started recording that um, housing and personal care attendance were Mm -hmm. the issues that were closest to your heart. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that? Um, Well, um, I've been lucky enough to have never lived in an institution Um, I went to Warm Springs, Georgia for rehabilitation, and that was semi-institution, but because it was a rehab facility, but um, it was more like a campus, and that's where I learned a lot about disability, um, existing in disability in in the world. And at Warm Springs, Georgia, famously where uh, President Roosevelt. Yes, yes. Right, yes. Um, Uh And um, he's one of my heroes. (laughs) And... You know, at Warm Springs, you learn how to live in the world with, with, you know, with a disability, and it doesn't mean you're segregated, and you learn how to make things accessible, and I was lucky enough that my parents had a house that was, I mean, once we had ramps, it was pretty accessible on the first floor. I mean, I could just get into every room in the house. I needed a wheelchair, didn't have to worry about steps once we got ramps. At a certain point in my life, um, I had a motorized wheelchair so I could get around more. Um, Mm -hmm. This is my parents' house, but I live in it now that they're no longer here. And for many years, I've lived in it with personal assistance. And I think maybe in the something I sent you, the most important thing is home to people. And Mm -hmm. this is my home. And when daddy was ill... And in an institution, a hospital, he wanted to only go home. And so home is really important. And a nursing home is my other choice. So, you know, I'm not choosing a nursing home as long as I have that choice. Yeah. I um, I had a spinal cord operation in 2016 that left me just, I, I had to relearn everything. I had to relearn how to walk how to feed myself, how to, to groom myself, get dressed, everything. Um, and I still haven't regained the use of my left hand. And I was um, in a rehabilitation facility for a month. And all, all I could think about every day was getting home. Uh, I had two, two small children at the time. Uh, fortunately, my mother is around and very active uh, with our family. And so she had my kids, she was taking care of the kids and Michael, my husband um, was, he was down at the hospital with me. This is called Stalworth and it's a, a affiliated with Vanderbilt and they, it was awesome. And they did so much for me, but it was not home. And I wanted to be home mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. with, with my kids and my family. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And can you talk a, a little bit about the struggle that housing is? 
for disability uh, for disabled people. You know, housing, if you're a person with a disability and you have money, you can handle it like anything. But if you're a disabled person that doesn't have a lot of money or someone who's older and things get more and more difficult, they want to put you in a nursing home. And there's mm -hmm. all kinds of housing between here and a nursing home. And a nursing home, one of the things disabled people have always exclaimed or shouted is nursing homes are way more expensive than personal homes. Mm -hmm. And that's just uh, normal. And people should be able to get many services in their own home. And if they can, then whether you're my dad living at, on Cumberland Lake in his cottage all by himself or me here in the city when you need personal assistance if you can have it in your home you can still live there mm -hmm. and I think that's the way most people want to go older mm -hmm. people we have so many friends family whose older relatives have had to all of a sudden move somewhere else and they become totally different people because they're not in their home mm -hmm. and I think that's different. But I also think, like I said, once you start talking about categories of people, then you try to think of the most convenient, easy way to take care of them. And that's why you have nursing homes, I think. Thanks, Cass Irvin, for joining us and for your lifetime of service to people with disabilities. Thanks to Chris Ankin for music. Thanks to Joe Hodge for technical support. If you have questions or comments, send them to Demand and Disrupt at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please consider leaving a review. If you really like the podcast, go ahead and subscribe and tell others about us. Until next time, thanks for listening.
Spelled out.